This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, teaching you each episode about holistic retirement planning. Well, welcome once again to the Retire Happy Podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside John Amarino, fiduciary financial advisor at Securus Financial, serving you throughout the San Diego area. You can find us online by going to gosecurus.com. John, how are you doing this week? Good to talk to you. I'm great, Walter. How are you? Fantastic, and looking forward to our conversation today. We've got a lot to dive into, but want to jump into today's main topic, and you might have seen the headline having something to do with the 50 shades of gray area that exist in the financial world. Now, disclaimer here, although we're kind of playing off the verbiage, John, this has nothing to do with that movie, Fifty Shades of Grey. We're just playing off the title of it, but our subject matter has nothing to do with the movie. No, absolutely, absolutely not. No, so you, you don't have to cover the children's ears or anything like that as we uh, go through the show. Yes, this today. is this is a family friendly program. <laughs> Good luck getting your kids to listen to it, but it's a family friendly program. That's right, exactly. So anyway, you know, I think not everything in the financial planning world is black and white, and that's why it's an appropriate name for it. There's lots of gray areas. In fact, I'd probably say most things in the financial world you know, are really our mix of gray issues. Oh, yeah. I want to identify some of the ones that really drive the point home here, John, where maybe a more nuanced discussion really is required. So a couple of different examples. We'll start with them one at a time. And the first one that comes to mind is this conversation about doing a Roth conversion. And often it's presented as that black and white, yes and no, do it or don't do it kind of conversation. Why is there some gray area around that topic? Well, the first thing I want to talk about is, you know, you made a great point in that, you know, financial planning and and retirement planning, it is gray area. There is no black and white. And uh, oftentimes I find people, uh, whether they're doing it themselves and listening to pundits or they have an advisor that might be trying to squeeze them into a cookie cutter system that, you know, they have a very black and white or vanilla plan that really doesn't address their particular situation. And the reason why everything is in the gray area, because there's a lot of factors that go into this, you know, from finances to risk tolerance to are you willing to pay your taxes now or do you want to you know, take that tax bill later? And everyone's different. So it is a very gray area. And Roth conversion is a favorite topic of mine. And it's a topic that I've taught probably one of my successful retirement classes is taxes and retirement. And we do talk about Roth conversions and how actually important they are to today's retirees. Well, I know that today's retiree has a lot of different challenges facing them. And so it would be really nice if it was just a matter of black versus white or a yes versus no kind of conversation. That might simplify things a little bit. But how do you enter into this gray area conversation about Roth IRAs versus traditional IRAs or whether to do that conversion or not without it getting overcomplicated? Right. Well, the first thing that we need to understand is the tax liability. When I take my new clients through the process, we often refer to their tax deferred money as a tax liability, because guess what? Not all that money is yours. When you had your company plan or you put money into a traditional IRA, you made a pact with the IRS and they became your investment partner. So part of that money belongs to the government. So we need to look 
at that as a liability. So at 70 and a half, the government's going to require you to take out that money. And for some people, that's that's a problem because they don't need the money. So what happens is you have two issues. Number one, it's going to increase your tax bill. Number two, it's going to devalue your account, which reduces your power value of money. The other thing we need to look at, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I, I explain this every time to every class, to every client of mine that we do reviews. We need to pay attention to the national debt, right? We have $22.1 trillion of U.S. national debt. I mean, that is absurd. And I know in past podcasts, we talked about David Walker sounding the alarm bell, and he sounded the alarm bell back in 2009. That's when we had $9 trillion. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it's gone up that much. Yeah, in just that short of time. Literally, you know, in 2000, we were at a budget surplus. So just in the last 18 years, we've taken on $22.1 trillion worth of debt. And that's ridiculous. So we need to understand that a couple of things are going to happen. We, we've talked about this in the past, that in 2026, if nothing happens, taxes will go up a little bit. Now, if the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act hurts or helps you, right? And here in California, it doesn't really help a lot of people. But we still need to look at the fact that we're in some of the lowest tax rates in our history. So we need to address taxation. And if you have the ability to start converting some of that money and buying out the IRS at a tax rate that you know and you're comfortable with and you know what your tax bill would be before the taxes go up in the future and you have no control and you have no idea what your tax bill would be, you're actually putting yourself at a strategic advantage. So Roth conversions are very important. And not only are they a living benefit, but they're a benefit for legacy. Now, the first thing you might be thinking is, oh, your legacy. Okay, you're talking about the kids. I am not talking about your kids. I am talking about either you or your wife, whoever survives you. Because when you die, when one of you dies, your expenses very well could stay the same. Your income will most likely go down because either one spouse's pension is reduced or if neither one of you has a pension, then one of the social security benefits is going to go away. So your income's down, your expenses are roughly the same, and guess what's going to happen to your taxes? They're going to go up. Just more and problems. why do they go up? <laughs> because you're going from a married filing joint to a single filer. And your social security that's based on a married couple now goes to a single. So in the vast majority of cases, your taxes are going to go up. So therefore, if you have a lot of your money in a Roth IRA, you're accessing tax-free income that's not going to affect your income taxes. And it's not going to affect your social security income or the taxation on your social security income. So it's a very, very powerful legacy planning for either you or your surviving spouse, whichever survives the other one. So I, I think, you know, for a lot of retiree clients, you know, you're playing the long game and you're getting that money, especially if you're in your 60s, you're getting that money away from uh, the future tax liability. You're also, you can convert before your RMDs and a Roth IRA is no longer required to have an RMD, right? The government got their money. 
So you don't have to devalue that account. You can let that account continue to grow. And then you obviously pass on either the tax-free legacy to your surviving spouse or you take advantage of it if your spouse dies. And, you know, in the unfortunate in that uh, both of you pass, then you're going to pass on a tax-free legacy to your kids. One thing I do get a lot in my classes as well, you know, I'll just take my RMD and I'll convert that to a Roth IRA. And the IRS has got you beat to the punch. There. Ah. That's not going to be allowed, right? I applaud your thinking. But the IRS is going to make you take out your RMD first and then you can convert after that. And converting might still be a very good strategy there, but just know that you're going to have to take out that RMD before you convert to a Roth IRA. And, you know, we have the advantage we have is we have some excellent retirement software that focuses on advanced tax planning. And we can show our clients, listen, you know, even by paying the taxes now, and in some cases, a very aggressive Roth conversion strategy that you might take that increased tax liability now, but six, seven, eight years from now, you may greatly reduce your tax liability, especially, especially if taxes were to go up. And you know, in past podcasts, we said David Walker back in 2010 said taxes are going to have to go up two to three times to start to address our national debt. And I say address it now because, you know, he was talking at nine trillion, not 22. Yeah. Well, we know that uh, we've got lower for many of us tax rates kind of implemented now for the near future. But, you know, that may change as, you know, we go a couple more years down this path. And so we've got to be ready. And, and things can always be overridden in Congress. So just because it seems like the next several years we might be in good shape from a tax perspective doesn't mean things can't turn in a different direction. So got to keep those Absolutely. kinds of things in mind. Yeah. And, you know, even in taxes, you know, here in California, we just don't have to worry about national taxes. We have to worry about our own state taxes. And, you know, Forbes came out with an article that said that California, you know, is conservatively probably about $2 trillion in debt. So again, just like the federal budget, how do you normally get rid of debt? It's going to be to raise taxes. And we're already at 13.3 for the highest tax rate in the state. So you have to take a look at state taxes across the board, whether it's state or federal, you have to look at both because they're both going to have an effect on your bottom line. Well, you mentioned the words living benefit, and since we're kind of in that vein, let's mention another area where we often see gray area being a more uh, you know specific way to describe the conversation, and not just a yes or no question, but so many people view this next topic as a yes or no kind of thing, and that's Social Security. Do I take it as soon as possible at, you know, 62 or 63, kind of very early on in that period? Or they kind of just go the other direction and say, no, I'm going to wait as long as I possibly can to take it so I can maximize the benefit. I'll, I'll take it when I'm, you know, 69 or 70 instead. Why is that going to be a more nuanced discussion when it comes to Social Security? Yeah, that's a, a popular question I always get at the end of, uh, you know, my Social Security classes that I teach too. What age should I claim? And that is not an easy answer. We have to look at everything. I am a big proponent, as are most retirement experts, of trying to delay Social Security as long as you can. And here's why. Social Security is expensive money. It's an income stream. 
So if you are comparing Social Security to a fundamental withdrawal rate, like the 4% rule, you have to understand that a $40,000 Social Security benefit would be the equivalent of having a million dollars in a 401k at the 4% rule. The big difference is the 4% rule actually has a high failure rate, about 57% based on, on a Wall Street Journal article hmm. in today's markets. I never thought about looking at it that way. Your Social Security benefit kind of reverse engineering it. What would that really mean from a portfolio standpoint? Absolutely. And here's the thing. I've said it in the past. I'll say it again in the future. In retirement, the trophy size doesn't matter, right? What's most important is the income that trophy can generate. Income is the outcome. So if you have Social Security and you have a very rich benefit, you want to maximize that because based on today's projections, right, they say Social Security can still pay its bills for you know, the better half of a couple of generations, that's predictable and sustainable income stream and it's income. And that's really how you got to look at everything. So I am a fan of delaying it. And yes, we have phenomenal software that's able to show people, listen, here's if you use our strategy and if you have your normal life expectancy or if you live too soon or live too long. So we're able to really kind of show it, you know, especially for my engineer clients, well, what if I don't make it to this point? What's my delta? Where's you know my break-even points? But you want to maximize it, first of all. Second of all, when you claim Social Security, we just talked about Roth conversions. Ordinary income what is what a Roth conversion would count as can inadvertently affect or increase the tax on your Social Security benefits. So if you are looking to do Roth conversions, you want to try to delay claiming Social Security because you don't want to tax your Social Security. Let's convert or let's even spend down. Let's maximize that Social Security and let's make the conversions more efficient when it comes to taxation because we're not going to be taxing our Social Security. Meanwhile, we're delaying it and we're increasing our Social Security. Then you must look at, again, the survivorship benefit, right? If you are the breadwinner, your widow benefit, you know, your widow is going to be dependent on you in your decision making. And I've had clients where, you know, they contact me saying, oh, there's an article saying we can invest that money and, you know, earn 6%. And that would be the same thing. And, you know, my response to that would be, first of all, you're assuming that you're going to have the discipline at all times to invest that money. Second of all, you're taking a guaranteed income stream that Social Security is providing and you're replacing it with the hope that you're going to get a 6% return. That's fairly dangerous. And, you know, some people, though, that would be the black and white. You know, we'd all love that. Some people don't have that luxury, right? Maybe, you know, they've had some hardships where they have to turn on the Social Security and you have to do that. Or if you're unhealthy, and you want to get your fair share of Social Security, that's fine. But here's the point. You need to analyze it from all angles. And you really need to have someone come in and unbiasedly look at your situation and say, listen, I get it. I understand where you're coming from. But did you think about this? And oftentimes the answer to that is no. And I've changed people, you know, just taking a look at all the aspects 
and you must look at taxes when it comes to social security. But we, after looking at all the aspects, I've had people come in here wanting to turn on social security at age 63, 62, and they've decided that it's in their best interests and in their spouse's best interest for them to at least wait till full retirement age, if not delay all the way till age 70. So everyone's different. You know, everyone has different asset levels, different health and different thought processes. And so you have to cater to those. But, you know, Social Security, if you do the right analysis, you know, and it should be intertwined with Roth IRA conversion planning, you know, you need to look at all the analytics before making the decision. Just a, the one point that really drives it home for me is you can have two people who are in the exact same financial situation, but you mentioned like health, just being one variable, one might be in better health and the other might, you know, just with the reality of the situation may not have a very long life expectancy. And so that right there would be, you know, not even a really a financial reason. That's a lifestyle reason for why they would have maybe different answers to that question of when to pull out Social Security, even though the financials all say the same thing. So it's just kind of really interesting to hear you point those examples out. So absolutely. And, and you know, that's where my clients really enjoy the well if you if you don't live as long as we expect you to live then here's the advantage to it and we're able to show them you know claiming early full retirement age delayed and you know and, and in some cases there's not a whole lot of difference and and that's where in that situation we'll say okay we're going to claim early now here's the disclaimer if you are going to claim before full retirement age you have to be aware of the earned income credits right you have to understand that if you make above a certain level, you know, approximately $17,000, your Social Security benefits going to start to be withheld. So you have to be aware of that. And that's one thing I tell people. If you're healthy and you don't need the money, obviously we want to delay it. If you're unhealthy and you do need the money, go ahead and start it off. But please do not earn more than $17,000 because you're going to start handicapping your benefit. And what you did is you locked yourself into a lower benefit for life too. Obviously, everybody's situation going to be different. There are good examples of that. So 50 Shades of Gray Area in the Financial World. We're giving you a couple of those examples on today's show. We covered Roth conversions. We covered Social Security. Let's throw into this pile as well the issue of long-term care. And obviously, I think a lot of people just face that basic question, should I buy long-term care insurance or not? And sometimes it doesn't boil down to be that simple of a solution. Right, right. Out of any insurance that probably has the the worst, I would say, reputation or, or uh, most negative attitude towards it is long-term care insurance. And when it comes to long-term care insurance, a lot of people don't like long-term care insurance for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's expensive. And I get that. It is pricey. Number two, if you don't use it, you lose it which I kind of find to be an interesting argument because you think about other insurances out there that if you don't use it, you lose it, right? Two of the more famous ones are auto and home insurance, right? And I heard a very interesting statistic that said 18% of people with auto insurance will ever file for having a wrecked car or totaled vehicle. 
3% of homeowners will ever file for their house burning down. Yet 70% of people will have some type of long-term care event. So you actually have a very good chance, unfortunately, of needing this. And why? Because of longevity and medical technology. We, right? we all die, but as we prolong that inevitability with better improvements, the long-term care needs are only increasing, right? Right, right. Doctors, great people, great people, but in some cases, they're, you know, they're keeping you alive when uh, you, know, you should have died. A, ge- a generation you ago, you would have. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and now you need professional help, and that professional help is extremely expensive. You know, it can cost between sixty to a hundred thousand dollars, depending on what type of facility you're going to be in, and you know whether you want to have a private or a semi-private room. And my wife is actually a director at a skilled nursing and assisted living facility. And let me tell you, there's some people you do not want to be in a room with. So that becomes a, a major issue. Now, most people, the question I ask is, if you have a long-term care event and that doesn't always mean going into a skilled nursing facility or assisted living. That could be home health. How much do you want to pay versus how much do you want the insurance company to pay? And again, we're able to show that to our clients. Listen, here's your premiums. Here's what it's going to cost to have the insurance company pick up this amount. But if you want to self-insure, which is completely fine. You just have to understand this is what it's going to do to your nest egg. And again, if you're the first spouse, this is what it's going to do to your spouse. This is what you're going to leave your spouse because Medicare and Medicaid aren't going to come to help you. And Medicare does not cover traditional long-term care. They'll cover a hundred days of coverage for you. But beyond that, you're self-insuring or you're going to have to have some type of long-term care insurance. And I often find the people that are most motivated are the people that have had a parent in some type of facility because they understand as kids the awesome responsibility of what a long-term care event means. So I always tell my clients, listen, long-term care insurance isn't for you. It's for your spouse and for your children because there's a lot that goes in and the expenses are enormous. And, you know, long-term care insurance doesn't have to be the traditional use it or lose it. There's plenty of ways you have, you know, you could do asset-based long-term care and a lot of life insurance vehicles, permanent life insurance vehicles now have long-term care waivers attached to them. So if you have to turn on a long t- or if you have a long-term care event and you have to activate the rider, then the insurance company will give you that money up front and just deduct it from your death benefits. So there are other options, but I think that is one of the biggest areas people don't want to talk about. And, and listen, long-term care is arguably the biggest destroyer of a person's retirement nest egg, because if you needed three years at $100,000 a year, that's $300,000 that is out of your assets and $300,000 that your surviving spouse could really use to live off of when you pass. 
Well, those are really good thoughts, I think, John, and it just gets us thinking, hopefully, and and there are other things we could certainly enter into this equation, other conversations that don't have that black and white answer. You know, should you pay off your house early or not? Should you buy, uh, you know, permanent life insurance versus term life insurance? Well, the answer to these questions aren't, well, the golden rule says to do this. No, the idea is that it may take a conversation. It may take some further analysis. There's some gray area. You may need a little bit of both in certain situations. You may need, end up somewhere in the middle or three-fourths to the right or you know to the left. It's going to be very dependent on what you're going through in life. And that's why it's so important to have a conversation with somebody about these things. So if you've never talked to a financial advisor about these kinds of issues and these kinds of concerns or need a reminder of maybe how your situation you know, kind of works with your goals and needs in retirement. As always, we encourage you to reach out to John Amarino. You can do that by calling 858-935-6210. That's 858-935-6210. Or get in touch online. GoSecurist.com is the website. GoSecurist.com. Encourage you to go listen to past episodes of the podcast there on the website as well. Lots of good information there for you to utilize where we've covered some of these things that we've talked about on today's show in more detail. So be sure to go and check those kinds of things out as well. More to come on today's show, but first... It's getting to know you time. It's time to get to know John Amarino a little bit better. A new segment that we're introducing here on the podcast where we just take a quick sidestep from all the financial talk. You know, I think it's so important that John get to know you as a client, as somebody who's looking to plan for retirement, but it's equally as important for you to get to know your planner, your advisor. So we asked John now on future podcasts, we're going to be asking him fun little questions each week just to get to know his personality a little bit better. So John, my question for you this week is a fun one. What was the best concert you ever saw live in person? Wow, that's a good question. My wife and I go to concerts all the time. When I was younger, I grew up loving Van Halen concerts. (laughs) Nice. But as a total switch of gears, being big country music fans, the best concert, hands down, I've ever seen is the king of my generation, Garth Brooks. Ooh, yeah. Phenomenal. I've seen him twice seen the big sports arena show but i also saw him live in the acoustic version oh that's uh, cool just him and his guitar at the Wynn hotel in vegas and that that was actually my absolute favorite it, it was great he is the epitome of a great performer that's pretty cool i've heard a lot of people say that even if they're not a country fan that there might be a country concert that ended up being their favorite there must just be yeah. something about the genre. I, well, it makes sense. I think the genre just translate really well to sort of that intimate, you know, live back and forth conversational style, especially in the acoustic setup like that. That's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you what, Garth Brooks, I mean, I think he's in his 50s. The energy that guy has is amazing. Amazing. I mean, he he's out there running around like he's still 20 years old. So. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, there you go. Garth Brooks concert. Both of them sounds like number one and number two on the concert list for John Amarino. That's pretty cool. I, I'm not a big concert guy, John. I just haven't seen seen that many of them. My wife loves going, so we've I've definitely increased over the last couple of years attending a couple of with her, but she's also so busy we still rarely get out to see good concerts. But I, re- I like really small 
intimate stuff. Like I love just going to an open mic night at like a restaurant and just while eating dinner, hearing people just sort of do their thing to me, just hearing music up close like that, that does a lot more for me than like a big concert, a big stadium concert. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, especially if you got some of these, again, I'm, I'm a country fan, but you get some of these guys that will come into, you know, house of blues or, uh, you know, some of these smaller venues and it is, it's awesome awesome to see and it's you know it's kind of like uh flying first class once you get up close to that stage it's hard to go back <laughs> into the lawn seats and when i do do a big concert though we make a day of it yeah you know we get some friends together we we tailgate we get the cornhole boards like out. a sporting event yeah 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 that's pretty cool well thank you for sharing that with us john and uh, i'm looking forward to another great podcast with you next time around thanks for covering some of these you know gray areas in the financial world for us some of the things that we certainly need to be thinking about and uh, we'll have another good show on doc next time around thanks walter we appreciate it that's john amarino if you've got any questions at all don't forget to reach out 858-935-6210 ask john your financial questions and he'll help you find the answers or go online to gosecurus.com listen to past episodes of the podcast there as well that's gosecurus.com for john i'm walter we'll talk to you next time on the retire happy podcast teaching you about holistic retirement planning Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Securus Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Amarino and guests on this radio show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine and future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered.